together as we get into our time of study of God's Word. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Be on the screens. If you have your Bible, you can open it up there and read along with me. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, and for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Church, I just want to pray and ask God to speak to us through His Word. Father God, I just want to, Lord, just ask You as we come humbly before You, God, Lord, speak to us through this truth this morning that You have for us, Father. Lord, we just depend on You and your words and your promises here today. God, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So church, this will make week four of a study that we've started on spiritual disciplines called The Way We Walk. The first three weeks, we discussed spiritual disciplines with our walk with God in the, in the way that we draw near to God. And ultimately, all of these spiritual disciplines do that same purpose of drawing us near to God. Uh, but we kind of broke it up into three different categories where the first, uh, the first section, the first three ver uh, weeks were on our walk specifically with God on a more personal level. And then for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about our walk with God uh, and, and how that leads us to our walk with others. That, that, that our walk... The this morning as we're moving towards God. I know that sounds confusing, but all these disciplines help in our walk towards God, but there are some disciplines that help facilitate more so our walk with others. And so this morning we're going to start talking about for the next three weeks our walk with others and what that looks like. And, and we're going to really focus in on this morning the worship gathering. That we would see the worship gathering as a discipline that not only grows us closer to God, but grows us closer to each other. As a faith family, you know, and, and all of these disciplines are meant to deepen our relationship with God and to challenge us in our in our daily battles. And as we enter into our day to day life as Christians with confidence, you know, and so the first thing that I want us to understand, you know, a lot of times when we talk about church attendance, it's kind of uh, it's, it's it comes with because of the way the church is presented in a lot of ways, a very heavy emphasis on attendance on just being here, on just being present, on just being a body in a building. And I need to make this clear as we move into this, that I'm not saying that church attendance is our goal. Okay? I'm not saying that that is the thing that is elevated above everything else because it's not. You know, I came across this quote from A.W. Tozer. He said this. He said, 100 religious persons knit together into a unity, uh, knit together, knit into a unity by careful organizations do not constitute a church any more than 11 dead men make a football team. The first requisite is life always. The first requisite is life. Okay, so our purpose, our goal is life in Jesus through the gospel. Okay, but like all these other spiritual disciplines, that they're not a make or break thing, but it's within the context of these things that God grows us, that God develops us. And so, yes, our Christian faith is not hinged on whether we attend church. That is not what I'm saying. 
Our Christian life is dependent on life in Jesus through the gospel. But I do believe, and I hope what we'll see here this morning, that church attendance, even though it's not our goal, it's a discipline we need. It's something that we need to continue drawing us mentally and emotionally and spiritually into the space God wants us to be personally. And I want to say that again. That we would know that this discipline is something we need to continue drawing us mentally and emotionally and spiritually into the space God wants us to be personally. That this is a corporate thing that we participate for our personal experience. This is something that God, I believe, and I believe that we'll see this morning, Scripture draws us to participate in local church attendance. That participation in church is essential to the spiritual health of an individual Christian. And I do believe that this morning. And so there's some things that I want us to kind of evaluate and kind of walk through that we would see how Scripture calls us to that. And I use these verses. This is a very common section when you're talking about church attendance, but I want to kind of focus on some different areas uh, this morning. In verse 19 of Hebrews 10, we see this as we kind of, kind of lay out why we do it. Like, why do we gather together in a church building? Why do we schedule out Sundays or at some place of Sundays and Sunday nights and Wednesdays? Like, why do we do that? Well, we see here in verse 19, the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, since we have confidence, since we have a great high priest talking about Jesus, since we have someone interceding for us, making sacrifice for us. He says, since we have a confidence, since we have a great priest, let us draw near. Let us draw near. So the writer of Hebrews is telling us, let us draw near. And so he's talking about kind of us drawing near to this central theme or the central idea of, of a gathering. As well, you can kind of see later on down in verse 25, we see the not neglecting to meet together. So we know this is kind of drawing us near a collective or a communal experience where we come into this place together. And so there's three things that I want us to see within that, why we do it. The first thing, the first reason of why we do it is that it would be for engaging God in an intentional way. That for us, gathering together in this place is for us to engage God in an intentional way would be the first point here this morning. And I think that that's important because what I'm saying there is it is us stepping outside of our spaces of comfort and control, right? When we are at home, right, when we are in our vehicles, when we are, when we are in our space, we are in spaces of comfort, we are in spaces of control, this is our element. You know, and if we're really honest with ourselves, a lot of people say, well, I don't have to be at church to worship God. I don't have to be at church to engage with God. And that is absolutely true. Our omnipresent God is far beyond these walls. But the reality is the reason that the church has set apart time to gather is because if we're honest with ourselves, we aren't great at being disciplined in certain things. Right. And if we're honest with ourselves, we'll put off a lot of things until we absolutely have to do it. I, I absolutely hate to mow my yard. 90% of the time, I'm going to put it off until I absolutely have to do it, until I, it starts to look embarrassing, right? That's not a great discipline, but it's just the reality of how we are typically with different things that we navigate. And so for us to have this place, to have this time that we set apart and we say, we're going to gather at this time. This is us intentionally engaging God outside of our space of comfort, outside of our space. Because when we're at home, when we're in our space within our element, we will find a million other things to do besides stop and engage in God in those moments. Right. There's always things to do. There's clothes to be done, dishes to be washed. There's lawns to be mowed, obviously, that I'm putting off. There's all of these things that we need to do. And it's within that context that, that we will have a difficult time engaging God in an intentional way. And a lot of times what we end up doing is we end up engaging God in a way just to accomplish it, right? Just to say that we did it. 
Not to say that what we do at home is not important. Uh, that is absolutely not what I'm saying. But what I'm trying to do is bring focus to why this is vital for us. Martin Luther said this. He says, at home, in my own house, there is no warmth or vigor in me. But in the church, when the multitude is gathered together, a fire is kindled in my heart and it breaks its way through. You know, I just love the way that he said that and the way he communicates, the way that, the, you know, and I love that the Bible, you know, and it talks about the spirit of God within us. It talks about this, this flame. And at times that flame needs to be fanned, right? It needs to be fed with oxygen so that it grows and grows and grows. And, and, and in the reality of our day to day to day, sometimes that flame is quenched within us, right? We navigate difficulties. We navigate fears. We navigate health issues. We navigate all these things. And the spirit of joy and the spirit of our salvation that dwells within us can be quenched. You know, and I'm not even ignorant enough to think that that quenching spirit may not even come from the church sometimes. People within the church, the way the culture of the church is. But we have to know that that's not God's culture. That's not the way God does things. And so what we have to know, especially in this day and age when we have so many, I mean, I'm so thankful for our online audience. But, you know, in this day and age when we can be so distant from each other, we can be so removed from each other. There is just something that our physical presence with the people of God does that nothing else can replicate. And so what this is, what this is, you know, depending on, uh, you know, I know we've all been a part of churches who have met at different times and different days. But for us here at Crosspoint, you know, when we have our Sunday morning gathering, this is our scheduled encounter with God. We are making time. We are setting apart moments for him. And so, you know, like I said, I'm not saying the make or break of our Christian faith is on rather we come to church. But I heard it said like this, and I thought this was a great way to, to think about it. If we're at home and we're healthy, let's come. Let's be here. If you're gone, then that's cool. We have modes and ways to be still connected. But if you're at home and you're healthy, let's be here. Because we see this is our personal submission and acknowledgement of God's leadership and His guidance in our life. I love how, how uh, David would say it in the Psalms. You know, when we come into the presence of God, when we come into this place together, you know, in Psalm 47, 6, he says, Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. You know, and so when we're talking about the corporate worship gathering, we're not just talking about the singing, but there's something amazing that we do when we intentionally engage God together as a people of God, singing His praises, asking Him to show us His glory, recalling His goodness in our lives. There's just something that cannot replicate that. There's something that an online spirit at home cannot replicate in what the people of God collectively gather together with intentions on engaging God personally. There's, there's nothing that can replicate that. The second thing is this, that we are collectively together learning about the truths of God. In verse 23 of, uh, of Hebrews 10, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. You know, and that confession is a proclamation of instructions. You know, a confession is something that's been said, it's something that's been spoken. And I believe that the biblical narrative teaches us that what we are doing here is what God has intended for us. God ordained the church not only as the people, but also the establishment to gather together, to feed off of each other, to enjoy each other's presence. But not only that, to engage God's truths together. To learn about the promises of God together so that when we step out into a world that may be in opposition to us, we're able to stand arms locked together on the foundation and the truth of God's word as we navigate the difficult times ahead of us or even that we may be going through now. 
God has called us to hold fast to this confession together that we've heard, that we've been spoken to together. Not only that, but that hope also being a part of that proclamation is built on an understanding of the promises and prophecies of what God has done and what he is doing and what he plans to do in and through our lives. You know, when Paul is teaching the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, he says, on the other hand, when he's talking about the work of the gathered church, he says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies or the one who speaks from God's word speaks to the people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. That's the speaking out of God's word. You know, the way, the way that we believe, that I believe that prophecy is done now is through the revealed word of God, through the revelation and prophecy of what God has given us in his word. And so when we stand up here together and we, uh, we navigate God's word and we, we, we work through it together, we are prophesying and, and, and acknowledging the truths of Jesus and what he's doing and what he's done in our lives. And so we see the, the, the beauty of what we get to do here together as a gathered people hearing the truths of God. And then the third thing is that we would be putting God's grace on display. You know, and I don't know if we think about this a lot. Uh, when we think about church attendance, when we talk about being present physically with the people of God, that we're putting God's grace on display. Because what our gathering does in being a form of outreach to people is our presence and our seeking after God reveals His grace towards broken humanity. Because I hope, I hope that me standing up here this morning isn't ever a, a revelation that Jake just has it all together. I hope that me standing here, I hope that us being present today, I hope that we can always be the kind of church when people walk into it, they don't see a bunch of people who present it like they have it all together. But they would see a bunch of broken people who are sinful, who are just desperately and passionately seeking after the goodness of God, that it would bring glory to His name and that it would tell people from the outside as Paul would say about people in 1 Corinthians 14, 24 through 25, just a beautiful verse. He says, but if all prophecy and an unbeliever, an outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all that the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that the God is really among you, that God is really among you, that that is how I hope and pray. That is our, our, you know, not the only thing that we do here isn't just outreach, but I pray that the very fact that we gather here together as broken people desperately seeking after a holy God would be a, a, would be a display of God's grace. That we would be a people. That we would be a people. And th that's how the church should be. That unbelievers, that people on the outside should be drawn to what we're doing because of who we are in light of who He is. You know, it should never be that the church is only for holy people. That the church is not only for people who have it all together. The church is not only for people who have the perfect family, who dress perfectly, who have all the money, who have all the success, who have it all together. But we, in a lot of ways, as the church, have created this space where that is, that is how it feels. That people feel like, well, I don't have church clothes, so I can't come to church. Who dictated what church clothes were? You know, that, that I, I've made mistakes in my past, so I can't come. Who told you that? Like we talked about last week, as God navigates in the garden with Adam and Eve, and, he, and they're hiding from him, and, and God calls out, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you had to hide? Church, us being gathered here, you as individuals being present in this place is a display of God's grace. And when you invite people, when we invite people and they see you, we should not be afraid that they're going to think that we're being hypocrites. 
No, they should think, man, if God is good enough that he's going to allow that person in, then he'll bring me in, right? We should be able to come. I pray that people, people in the community that I've grown up here my whole life, you don't think it makes me afraid sometimes that people would ever look at me and think, man, who would have ever given that dude a microphone to stand in front of people? But just like Paul would say, when he acknowledges the same things, when he talks about his past and everything he did to the Christians, he says, I pray that they would glorify God because of me. Because of me. Because I'm faulty. Because I'm weak. Because I depend on God in all things. I pray that we would be those people. I pray that every time we gather, we are magnifying the grace of God. Not magnifying ourselves. Not showing that we have it all together. But through our brokenness, magnifying the grace of God. And I pray that in that, that our gathering fosters our identity and fuels our witness in our community. That us gathering here together fuels our outreach. It fuels our love for people and it fuels our love for God. And so not only do we have to acknowledge as we kind of move towards finishing up this morning, not only do we acknowledge why we do it, but we need to acknowledge why we need it. Why we need this. And the first thing within that is that it cultivates community. Now we get into the Baptist preacher when I start uh, using alliteration. That it cultivates community. You know, and as I was thinking about the idea of community, I started to think about isolation. And then in light of isolation, I started to think about isolation as a tactic in war. Like, what does that look like? Do they use that? And then I looked it up. And it said this. It said isolation as a war tactic is a tactical task to seal off Physically or psychologically, from his source of support, to deny freedom of movement, to prevent from having contact with other forces. Man, and I, I just, as I read that, I was like, that is what the enemy does to us. When the enemy begins to draw, when he begins to isolate us from the community of God, he is using a war tactic. To, to, to seal us off. And I, and I truly believe physically and psychologically. That we only not only physically suffer when we're not able to enjoy the fellowship and the community of God's people. But we also psychologically suffer for that. Because I believe that we are brought into places where the church should be a source of support. But what the enemy does is he isolates us away from that support. Whether it's physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Not only that, but it denies us. And I know people, and I've even lived in this in my own life, that the enemy isolates us to a point where it begins to deny us the freedom of movement. Where we feel like, I, I can't even do anything for God now because I'm so isolated. I can't even go to church because I've been so isolated. We don't have this freedom of movement or leadership in our families or within our lives or within the people around us because the enemy has used this tactic of isolation in our lives. He's drawn us away from God's people. He's drawn us away from the fellowship and the community of God's people. And not only that, but preventing us from having contact with other people, with other forces. Just think back. Like I said, I've experienced this in my life. Think back to those moments when maybe we felt disconnected from the church. How much did we feel like, and I can't even communicate with anybody from the church. Like I, They don't want to hear from me. They don't have anything to say to me. They don't want to hear. That's what the enemy tells us in our mind because he's isolating us from communicating to the source of our support, which should be the family of God. That is the tactic that the enemy uses. Because I believe that the biblical language communicates this idea of we. 
as a collective all throughout the Bible. He taught not only as a universal and distant to the ends of the earth, as Matthew would tell us, but also present and cooperative. What we do together, because the Bible talks about us, especially in the New Testament, as a body or a flock or a building or a holy nation. That biblical Christianity is not meant to be lived in singularity, but plurality. That it's many parts put together. Because that's what's beautiful about our God, is that our God takes a diverse group of people, unifies us under the banner of dependence that our faith is built on. His grace for our growth and strength. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of God dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the image, the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Church, I believe that us being here together is cultivating a community of faith. And that this community contributes to our Christian confidence. This community contributes to our Christian confidence to lead our families. To have spiritual life with our spouses. To have spiritual conversations with our families. To have spiritual life lived out outside of these walls. To have spiritual life lived out in the midst of our, our work life and school and all the things that we're navigating. That it's within that that God is cultivating a community to grow us and to move us. And not only is it cultivating community why we need it, but also it conditions our hearts. It conditions our hearts. And when I say that, it means it shapes our hearts. Because in our day-to-day, week-to-week of our experiences, our hearts and minds are being molded, conditioned, and even attacked. And we need this. We need these times when we gather together, either in this context or small group context or whatever it looks like. When we gather together into the family of God, we need this because what this does is in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of the attacks of the enemy, it reconditions and reorients our hearts towards God. Away from ourselves, away from our idols. We need these times to reorient and re. Focus our hearts and lives. You know, because of this, because in private worship, when we think about it, in private worship, when we're at home, reading our Bible, listening to worship music, trying to pray, in our commutes, driving, wherever we're going. In those times, we're in the driver's seat. Right? We decide what we read. We decide what we listen to. We decide what we pray. You know, how long we spend doing those particular things. You know, what gospel truths we preach to ourselves and what applications we consider. But when we come here, when we come here together into a corporate gathering, we respond. We don't control. Others preach and pray and select the songs and choose how long to stay within those elements. And we're positioned to receive. And what I think that does is I believe that opens us up to our hearts truly being conditioned. Because just think about it. In the midst of our private study, in the midst of our private worship, in our private prayer, we may leave some things out. We may avoid some things because it challenges us, right? We may push back on some things because of what it communicates to us. And not only that, but it, in the context of what we do here, it puts us in the place to receive. It puts us in a place to participate. 
It puts us in a place to respond to what God is doing rather than dictate what God is doing in our life. And I believe that's unbelievably valuable for us. You know, and then a lot of times, and like I said, even within myself, we may say things like, we don't feel like it. I just don't feel like going. I just don't feel like doing it. I just don't feel like being there. But I would challenge us with this. When our hearts feel at least is when we need it most. When our hearts feel at least is when we need most to remind our souls that it is good for us to be near to God. It is good for us to be near to God and not only be near to God, but to be near to God's people. To be near to God's people. You know, and, and, and like I said, there are limitations that come into that, and especially in this day and age with health and different things like that. But like I said, if you're home and you're healthy and we're able to be here, then I believe what this does is it reorients our hearts and our minds to God and what God is doing. And I love one of my favorite passages, and you can turn there with me if you want. If not, it'll be on the screen. Uh, Psalm 73. Psalm 73, the psalmist Asaph writes this, and I believe that it is such a beautiful picture of reorienting our hearts towards something specific. Psalm 73, I'm going to read verses 2, two down to verse 15. He says, But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. How many times have we been in that place, maybe? That I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have it all together. They seem comfortable. Why don't I have that? For they have no pains unto death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongues, tongue struts through the earth. Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease they increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence for all the day long. I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. And if I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. Church, what I truly believe what we see in this moment is we see discouragement. Right? We see discouragement. We see somebody that sees the world around them, the wicked world around them that could care less about God and, and sees people that seem more comfortable. They seem more happy. They don't seem like even later on, he says that I'm falling into rebuke and that it, rebuke is a sign of sin. So he's saying, I, I sin and I fail. And because of that, I have rebuke because I know what God sees and what God has called me to do. And I don't do those things. He says, so I'm experiencing rebuke, but they seem to have it all together. God, why? And what I believe, what we see in these next two verses, what Asaph says and what he's telling us this morning is that discouragement of our perspective is corrected in his presence. The discouragement of our perspective is corrected in his presence. Because Asaph says here, he says, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. He said, listen, when I wanted to understand, when I was discouraged and wanted to figure this out, it seemed exhausting to me. Almost like we could say I just didn't feel like it. But this is what he says. Until 
I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned therein. You know, what's so beautiful about that is he says, you know, in this word sanctuary, this literally is speaking of a place that they dwelt together. A literal gathering of people. He says, when, we, when I came into that place, I understood. I understood. And he says, he says what he understood about them. And then later on, he says, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will receive me to your glory. The way that Asaph understood this is by coming into the presence of God and God's people. And his perspective was changed. That the discouragement he had about God and about the advancement of the wicked around him, it was changed by his encounter with God in the presence of God's people. Church, being present together conditions our hearts and changes our perspective, especially in the midst of discouragement. Especially in times when we feel like we're in need of something, church, we'll take in anything. And that's a dangerous time for a person to be, right? When we are just hungering and thirsting for something, whether it's acceptance or, 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 or social interaction or, or our purpose, when we're hungering for those things, we'll take in anything. Proverbs 27, 70 says, the one who is full loathes honey, but the one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Everything bitter is sweet. He says, when I'm hungry, everything, even if it's not good for me, tastes good. Church, when we feel we are lacking something, we settle for anything to fill that space. And that's why when God invites us into this space, He conditions our hearts. In Lamentations 3, 40 and 41, it says, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. You know, in, in the book of Lamentations, you know, to lament is to cry out, is to be in distress and to seek Seek help. And so he's saying here, you know, within this writing, that even when we're not feeling it, even when it doesn't make sense to come, to examine, to lift up to the Lord, to lay ourselves before him. You know, the Bible has many different postures that people took in God's presence and seeking after God. It was raising hands. It was kneeling. It was lying down. It was crying. It was weeping. It was tearing the robes. It was all these things that they would do just in coming to God. So listen, whether we come into this place and we stand and we lift our hands and we sing and we smile and we laugh or we sit in our pew with our heads in our hands and we weep because we're broken and because we're desperately seeking the Lord our God. However we come into this place is beautiful and God receives it and God accepts it and God uses that honesty and that authenticity and that vulnerability to condition our hearts to Him. And to remind us, even in the midst of our discouragement, that God has not given up on us, that God still has purpose for us in the midst of His collective community. In church, He does all this, gathers us together. He collects us to send us toward each other and the world around us. You know, in our experience here together, you know, it's in our modern kind of worship era, it's, it's very heavy on the experience. It's very heavy on, you know, 
things being done a certain way, certain lighting, certain music, certain message, certain presentation. And if I don't get those things, then I don't know if I want to go. If it's not, if it's not entertaining to me, if it's not satisfying the specific desire or need that I feel like I have because I look online and I see this church doing this, I see Elevation do this, I see Bethel do these things. These are the, I want to be a part of that kind of experience. I want to do those things. You know, and, it's, and we, we have convinced ourselves, and we may have even said this before, that the experience we have here, whether it's in the worship or the preaching, brings us before the throne of God. I, I've, I, I'll admit, and I repent of, of saying that in my own life. You know, and because the reality is, there is nothing that the worship team or the environment or I as the preacher, whoever were to preach from up here does, that brings you before the throne of God. Church, you know what brings us before the throne of God? Hebrews 10 tells us the blood of Jesus, the new and living way that he has opened up for us. There is nothing that we do here that brings us into the presence of God. And so in a sense, we should know that there is no strength, no ability, no talent that any of us have that brings us into the presence of God. But it's in coming into this place with a contrite heart, with a broken spirit and saying, God, we need you. And we are in the presence of God. We are in the presence of God before we've sung a single note. We are, we are here before the presence of God before I've spoken a single word to you. Because when we live in mindsets, like even like the modern church does, where we put focus on people and their talents and their abilities to bring us into the presence of God, we immediately stop depending on, God, on Jesus to bring us into the presence of God. But we started depending on people. And their talents and the way that they do things and the way that the environment looks. I'm so and a lot of you, I'm so thankful that you're here because I've said over and over and over again, we don't have a whole lot to offer you. We're going to sing about who God is and we're going to preach God's word and we're going to teach our kids about God's word. We're going to take communion. We're going to baptize. And then that's pretty much it. You know, not a lot of show, not a lot of flash to it. And I truly believe because you're here that that's not what you're seeking after. And I, I hope and pray that we would always be the kind of church that is seeking after God for what he gives to us through the blood of Jesus, not through an experience. And so the corporate worship gathering is a group of people gathering under the banner of God's presence, acknowledging our need of him. There's no prerequisite. There is no Admission fee, it's come. And like I said, we can do that at home, absolutely. But are there elements of what we do here collectively together that can't be replicated at home? Absolutely. I'm, I was very thankful that we were able to online stream during the initial parts of the uh, pandemic. And I'm thankful we're able to do that now. But man, I don't know where I'd be without being able to get together with y'all week after week. And I pray we create more opportunities to get together as this pandemic starts to come to a close, hopefully, in God's name. But church, I pray, and this is my prayer for you as, we, as I finish up, that our time here together, week after week after week, and that we would see the value in being present together if we're able, if we're healthy and if we're at home, that we're able to come and be in the presence of God, to cultivate community to condition our hearts in the midst of our discouragement and our struggles and know that even if we come here this morning as people who have not truly put our faith in Jesus that God has laid out before us a table and that we are here together and what God has said is he said come 
He says, receive what I've done. Respond to what I've prepared. God says, if you put your faith in what Hebrews tells us, the blood of Jesus, the new and living way, he says, we have access to God. We have access to that confidence to lead our families. We have access to live in that confidence within the context of our church. He says, come and respond. The church, could we bow our heads this morning and You know, begin to acknowledge maybe we've made a lot of excuses, made a lot of, and maybe some of those excuses are great excuses. You know, as we kind of acknowledge even within our hearts and minds. That we've thought of enough reasons not to be here week after week. Or during small group times with men or women groups. But I pray this morning that we would see the beauty and the value of why we should be together. That being here isn't the stamp of Christian approval to, to dictate whether we're Christians or not. But it is that, that draw, that conditioning, that cultivating that we desperately need week after week, day after day. That God has given us the gift of each other. And the gathering together to worship God and to be supportive of each other is exactly what God wants to do with us. And so I pray that if we would acknowledge where we've taken for granted this time, even for myself, where we've taken for granted this time, I pray that we would ask God to forgive us of that. To recondition our hearts, to see the value and the beauty of what we get to do here together, what we get to do together in our small groups. And that we would be praying to give us a, a passion to be present with each other. That, we would give, that God would give us a passion to be together. That God would give us a passion to invite others into. And that we would pray that God would use our gathering as an outreach tool. That people would see us and they would say, I want to be a part of that. Those people love God. Those people love people. Those people are, are welcoming. Those people... Just pray for each other. They consider each other. Let us be that type of worship gathering. Church, I pray this morning as we, as we enter into this time. That we would seek after the Lord. And allow Him to use us. To be a presence within this church. Within our, the lives of the people around us. And embrace the good of what He is trying to do and wanting to do with us in this gathering week after week.